the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. One hundred five point one FM WAVA. From our nation's capital, welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Seasoned expert on race, religion, relationships. Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Phone lines are open now. 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Good afternoon, friends. David Anderson live right here in the nation's capital. How in the world are you today? Well, wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your car, maybe in front of your computer watching me on Facebook Live, at Anderson Speaks is my handle there. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And, of course, on the most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the entire country, WAVA. 105.1 FM right here in Arlington, Virginia, covering all of Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Maryland, parts of Pennsylvania and West Virginia as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And, of course, if you're new to the show, let me tell you how we roll. If you're not new, then you can probably say it with me. Here we go. Marriage Mondays, Tough Topic Tuesdays, Wisdom Wednesdays, Theological Thursdays, and then Open Phone in Friday. Anything you want to talk to me about on Friday is fair game. But today is Tough Topic Tuesday, and we're going to talk today about what it means to be white. What it means to be white. Are you white? <laughs> Tell us, what does that mean? What is white culture? What is white identity? What uh, what does it mean to uh, have white privilege? Is that really a thing? White fragility? What is whiteness? We're going to talk to a uh, brand new author of the book, White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white by uh, Pastor Dan Hill. Uh, pastor Dan Hill is not only the author of the book, he's also a pastor. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him after I pray and introduce him so we can have a conversation. I'm holding the book up right now. If you're on my Facebook Live page, White Awake is the book, An Honest Look at What It Means to Be White by Daniel Hill. Forward by Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil. If you want to give us a call today, the number is 888 432 7434. That's 888 Bridge. Let's bow for a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity uh, for this show, for conversation, and we know that comprehension begins with conversation. So we invite you right to the middle of the table to help us understand reconciliation between whites, blacks, and others in our world today. In Jesus' name we pray. Together everyone said amen and amen. 
Other ways to get a hold of me, andersonspeaks.com, or you can go to embracegracism.com. You can get any one of my books there, as well as uh, learn more about how to be a gracist instead of a racist. But today we have special guest, uh, Dr. Daniel Hill. He's the author of White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white. He's the founding and senior pastor of River City Community Church, a vibrant multi-ethnic church in Humboldt Park neighborhood of Chicago, also the author of a book, 1010, Life to the Fullest. Prior to River City, uh, Daniel worked at Willow Creek Community Church for five years in South Barrington, Illinois. Uh, Before that, he was in the business world. He's earned his degrees from Purdue University, Moody Bible Institute, as well as a certificate in church-based community and economic development from Harvard Divinity School and a doctorate from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Daniel, so good to have you on the show. How are you? Dr. David, it is wonderful to be with you. It's always good to be with you. It's been a while since we've sat in the uh, lobby of a hotel with your multi-ethnic team where you were starting uh, your church, River City uh, Church. How's it going? How's the ministry? Yeah, goodness, how time flies. You've been such an important voice in my journey well before River City was even an idea. And then, yeah, you met with our initial core group. I think that was probably 15 years ago that you sat down and mentored our group. So, yeah, it's... it's, um, it's been a, a fierce learning curve, but it's, uh, you know, we've experienced God in some powerful ways on this journey. Wow. Well, you know, you write this book, White Awake. I kind of love the title there. Uh, why did you write it, and what does that mean? Uh, well, you know, following very much in some of the footsteps that you've been talking for a long time and conversations have gone back a long time on this, you know, just as, as part of this larger faith reality of trying to follow Jesus Christ and seek first his kingdom, I really realizing that not only is the ministry of reconciliation one of the primary calls that we have as Christians, but if we're going to even understand this reality of seeking first the kingdom, right? Like, to have any chance to understand God's kingdom, we have to understand the, the profound ways that the system of race has shaped you know, this kind of current kingdom we're in. And I just, I just think I came to the conclusion at some point in my 20s that I was never going to really understand what it meant fully to follow Jesus if I couldn't fully understand the reality that race had played in shaping the, you know, the world around us. Hmm. Did you come to a realization at some point that you were, you were white? I mean, of course, you probably instinctively knew it, but it sounds to me like there was some kind of awakening or understanding of whiteness at a different level. Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's, I, I, my first wave is always embarrassment because there's so many points along the way where I should have had that awakening, and I didn't. And mm. so I mourned the missed opportunities all throughout the course of my life. It was in a bit of an unexpected place where the awakening really took for the first time. I was, you know, I was working at Willow Creek at that time. I was beginning to officiate weddings. That was a very new mm. experience for me. And mm. so I was, I was officiating my first cross-cultural wedding which I didn't even realize how big of a deal I was going to end up becoming, but it was a white mm. woman. And then the man, his parents were from India and they'd immigrated here. And so, he, you know, that the Indian culture had played a large role in kind of his formative experience. Mm. And so the night before the wedding, um, you know, he told me, he said, hey, you're going to get a real deep dive in the Indian culture at this. And I was excited about that. You know, that seemed like a real opportunity and indeed it was. And Everything about it, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the dancing, it was really quite an experience for me. So <laughs> he's kind of this gregarious guy, good friend, and um, usually pretty lighthearted. But I went up to him. I meant it as a compliment, but I said to him, I said, gosh, I am just so jealous of your culture, right, that you have a culture. Um, uh. I would do anything to have my own sense of culture. Uh. And this guy who's normally lighthearted and, and, um, and um, you know, uh, doesn't tend to delve into these deep topics, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Daniel, not only do you have a culture, 
But when your culture comes in contact with other cultures, it almost always wins. It would be a great idea for you to learn about your culture. Huh. Interesting. When you come in contact with other cultures, your culture almost always wins. That had to be transformative in your thinking when you walked away from that wedding, huh? It was. It was. I mean, it was. It actually it unsettled me. It angered me even a little bit, but it really um, initiated this new kind of curiosity and quest to understand what he was talking about. Wow. Well, we want to dig in a little bit deeper to that conclusion of what it means to be white. I have with me the author of White Awake, an honest look at, w- at what it means to be white. That's what we're talking about today. If you want to join us in the conversation, feel free to give a call at 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. We are opening up the phone lines. Feel free to get in where you fit in. We're talking on this Tough Topic Tuesday about whiteness. Are you white? What does that mean? How does that feel? Is that something that you feel proud about, ashamed about, you want to know more about? What about those of you who are not white and you engage with people who are? I'd love to talk to you about it. This is Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. We're running to a commercial break right now, but give me a call. 888-43-BRIDGE. My special guest, Daniel Hill, wide awake, an honest look at what it means to be white. Does your home need any improvements? Ours did. In fact, Amber and I called Home Fix Custom Remodeling, HCR, and we got a new Master Elite roof. And guess what? Once that was installed, we started saving, listen, over $100 per month on energy bills. Not bad, right? Not to mention when we needed new windows and doors, guess who we called? HCR. That's right. And our energy bills are even less because of it. So if you need an efficient solution, ways to keep your home safe and your family safer, make sure you call HCR. Ask for Gus when you call. Tell him that I sent you. Here's his number. You ready? 888-991-2427. And by the way, they also specialize in a wide range of other products like energy-efficient siding, doors, trim, and gutters. And let's not forget those walk-in tubs and showers for those aging gracefully among us. Let's put it like that. And all of this with a lifetime inclusive warranty. Call HCR 888-991-2427 and tell Gus Dr. Anderson sent you. Hi, my name is attorney James McCollum and my firm practices in the area of employment law. I've practiced employment law since 1988. I've represented many persons in federal and state courts and administrative agencies. Employment law is complex, and whatever your issue, we know that it is important to you. We'd be honored and privileged to serve you. Let McCollum & Associates work for you. Call us at 301-864-6070. That's 301-864-6070. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For more information about this program or for resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. You can call our hotline at any time at 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. To watch us on Facebook Live or to check out previous broadcasts, visit Dr. Anderson's public Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson and click Like. Join our text community and receive a free weekly text from Dr. Anderson. 
just text the word INSPIRE to 50555. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 50555. And now, back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. And we're back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. What does it mean to be white? I'm talking to the author of a brand new book called White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white. Uh, Reverend Dr. Pastor uh, Daniel Hill wrote this book. Uh, Daniel, when you wrote this book, what were you trying to get across? Well, you know, it, it, it's really come out of a very pastoral kind of journey. Right? You know, being in a multi-ethnic church, we've had to kind of walk with folks of every racial and cultural background. But um, And then I think that journey tends to look different for where somebody's social location is. But we've just, you know, just so many consistent conversations over the years of, uh, you know, there's always there's always parts of the white community that don't seem very interested in this conversation and it can feel, you know, triggering or whatever. But I've had the opposite. I've had lots of white folks over the years who have said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I can see things are very wrong in our country. Mm. I, I, there's this historical problem. I just don't know what to do. I don't even know what it means to be white. So help me understand this from a faith perspective. You know, mm. how did you wrestle with it? What was your journey like? You know, so it's, it's really coming out of hundreds of those kinds of conversations and trying to kind of walk with folks to really embrace what that means. So the primary audience, were you thinking when you were writing it, hey, I really want to wa- write to my white brothers and sisters to try to help them come alive in understanding uh, the the beauty of our culture, but also maybe some of the the blind sides of our culture. Is that kind of what you were thinking? That's right on, yep. Mm, 888-432-7434 is our number live in studio, 888-43-BRIDGE. So let's get into it. How do you define whiteness? Well, right, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's such a big question. I, in my own journey, I'm trying to come at this, and of course, right, I'm not trying to be the expert on this. There's a lot of good stuff on this. But as, as, as I've come to understand it, I had to first I don't know, contend with this idea you know, th- that race is a social construct. Right? It's a mouthful when you're new to it. You know, I think that's kind, yeah. of the kind of stuff that rolls off the tongues of people who are deep into it. But it's a really confusing concept when you're trying to first understand race, right? I would, When I was trying to understand that question, what does it mean that I'm white, people would say, well, first you have to understand race is a social construct. And I'd say, what does that mean? Does that like, mean? As a Bible student, I know there have been different ethnicities, different tribes, different nations since as early as the biblical accounts start, right? In fact, I knew that in Matthew 28, it says, go and preach the gospel to all nations, all ethnoses, right? right? All ethnic groups, right? Like, that's that's God that created that. What does that mean, race is a social construct, right? So Mm -hmm. we use these terms synonymously, ethnicity and nationality and culture and race, but it was really significant for me to come to understand that, no, how we use it now, race is very much a social construct. It was engineered by by Europeans um, to really come alongside some of the most economically powerful exploitations that happened, right? It was necessary for colonization. There, you know, there's all this history around the doctrine of discovery and the ability that European Christians had that in a way that was endorsed by the church that if they went to lands that were inhabited by people that were not white and were not there first and were, that were there and were of a different religion, there was kind of this freedom to conquest and take over. And so we had to kind of create racial categories that separated the kind of white folks coming in and the people who were there before that, I think that's a significant piece. Certainly, I think you could point to the establishment of slavery as one of the key pieces in kind of developing this social construct of race, right, where we had to 
Um, in fact, the, the term that's been most helpful for me in my own journey, um, Brian Stevenson, I'm sure you've interacted with his stuff a lot, that's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, mm-hmm. he uses this term that he calls the narrative of racial difference. Mm-hmm. And he ties it back, you know, certainly some to colonialism, but especially to slavery. And he says, you know, this, this is a question I want white Christians, white Christians to wrestle with. And I think this is an uncomfortable and important question for all for white Christians. Brian Stevenson asks, you know, how is it that white Christians in mass, for the most part, were able to get comfortable owning slaves? Right? Right. How do you read your Bible and then in the next moment find a way to justify the ownership and subjugation of human beings? Or how can you possibly mm. get there? And so, Stevenson says the only way you could do it is by buying into a narrative, a narrative of racial difference that doesn't just see racial difference, but assigns human value to those differences. So it's more than right. just so, noticing the difference. It's really assigning right. uh, who's, who's more superior, who's more inferior. So are that's you saying right. that then whites in history assign to themselves a superior position? Yes, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I think that's in a nutshell. And I think that it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to understand this social contract of race we're in, the social contract of race we're in, without realizing just how deep that goes, that it's built off of a social hierarchy, that white is seen as superior or you know better than, and that in different ways everybody else who's not white is seen as less than. And that's kind of at the heart of the racial construct, and that's a heartbreaking reality, but it's an absolutely critical reality to grapple with if we're going to have any chance of understanding this construct. Got it. So then do you feel like, okay, great, so that's history, we understand it, we kind of reject it now, so let's get over it and, and just move on, be colorblind, we'll all be fine. Right, right, is, is, right. I mean, that's the temptation. I think that's well, most of us are white. That's what we wish we could do. We wish we could just say, oh, my gosh, I wholeheartedly reject that notion. I would never subscribe to <laughs> a hierarchy where some people are more valuable and some less valuable. So that, I'm, not, I'm not part of that, right? Uh-huh. I think that's what, that's what we would like to do. And so I think that's, that, in my estimation, that's probably the single most important awakening that has to happen for those of us who are white, uh-huh. where we stop inter- interacting with it through an overly individualistic lens. Like, I think for most of us who are white, and I understand the sentiment, I just think it's really misguided. Most of us who are white, most of our energy goes towards trying to prove that we're not racist. Right. right? So it's, it's almost probably the worst thing you could say to a white person is you're yeah. racist, right? Like, those of us who care at all, yeah. the most terrifying thing that we could be called is a racist. So we're, we're just by nature going to spend a lot of time and energy trying to understand <laughs> what right. racist people do and make sure we don't do any of that or anything that could be possibly associated with that. And there's this kind of sense that, you know, the, 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 I think that's how a lot of us are white see it. There's like bad racist people who do bad things. And we, we stand on the side of condemning those racist people. And then we're on the side of I'm not racist. Thank God. I'm not like those people. Right. And while I understand that sentiment, I think it's misguided because it reduces race to basically being a bunch of individual people who are either acting racist or not acting racist. When I would actually say that's probably the much, much, much smaller part, I think the much, much larger part is this system that's now the system we completely live in that has been completely informed by this narrative that white is superior and us, you know, are inferior in relation to that. Right. If we can't understand the way that that narrative shapes the school system, if we can understand the way that narrative has shaped the neighborhoods that we live in, and if we can't understand the way that that narrative shapes the judicial system, it, it, you know, it's just wasted energy saying, am I yeah. racist or not racist? Like, that's really just a very small point at the end right. of the day, right? We well, the way that this system has been created and continues to perpetuate that narrative. Got it. Got it. Well, and there's a fragility when you begin to uh, watch uh, – how the system of racial inequality might hit uh, a white person 
uh, there's a fragility that's there that is an awakening as well. I'd like to talk about that. But before I do, uh, now that I've opened up the phone lines, if you guys want to give us a call, the number is 888-432-7434. Let's open uh, up in Maryland and talk to Jeff, who's on the line. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Jeff, are you there? Going once, going twice. Sorry we missed you, Jeff. Hey, let's uh, let's continue on. Uh, let's see. Line two, are we open? Let's go to Ugo in Washington, D.C. Hello, Ugo. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. Hey, Dr. Anderson. Yeah, I love listening to you guys, how you kind of instruct people, and how it gives us a lot of information on how to live. But yeah, I guess what I wanted to say, just how Dr. Martin Luther King said, it doesn't matter about the, I'm trying to remember what his phrase but it's not about the color of your skin. The content of your character. Mm-hmm. So if our characters are good and we're all equal, but understand we kind of do like the divide and conquer, and our cultures are different. But I believe that we're all equal. And if we can just see that and just try to live it that out, I think that'll that'll pretty much help us become like one being, one human race. Yeah. Thanks for your comment, Ugo. I appreciate it from D.C. Well, the idea, um, Dr. Hill, about uh, equality, even if we do see people for the content of their character, not the color of their skin. There's still systems in place that oftentimes I think uh, whites don't see. Would you agree with that? And if so, oh. uh, then how how do we help uh, whites see that? Well, th- this is where I realize there's a lot of people coming at this from outside of a Christian perspective, and I'm glad for that too. But I do think this is where there's a unique unique opportunity coming at it from a Christian perspective. Okay. Like Christianity, as we understand it, is 100% based on repentance, right? right? We believe there's a God who is loving and forgiving and invites into a relationship, but there's, there's this sense of seeing the gap, seeing the sin, seeing what had to be overcome, and then repenting and stepping into that. And I, I, I think that's what's so dangerous about colorblindness. I think the aspiration is right. We should see people mm-hmm. for the content of their character, not for the for the outside of their skin. But mm-hmm. to try to jump to that when we've got hundreds and hundreds of years of systems, like you said, mm-hmm. that are built in exactly the opposite, where they're actually structured around a racial hierarchy, um, we basically just jump over hundreds and hundreds of years of sin. And there's no chance to experience redemption or reconciliation then because we want to jump right to kind of this utopian place where yeah. we just discard all that's happened up till now yeah let's go to jeff and not sure what city we're in but i know we're in the state of maryland hey jeff welcome what's your comment or question please and turn your radio down so we don't hear the feedback yeah thank you uh, hello yes what's your comment or question hello? please yeah um i i agree with the last caller that you know you should uh judge people based on the content of the character not the color of their skin um as a Caucasian person uh, and being around dealing with a lot of people, um, I, I, I agree with, with a lot of what the, call, uh, the caller is saying, but um, it seems to me that, that there is uh, kind of the blame game being put on the Caucasian race in some cases. Um, I don't totally agree with that. Okay. Uh, we all need to look at each other, and not, not for the color of their skin, but like I said, the you know, content yeah. of the character. And, and it seems to me that when the more you talk about race, the more fuel you're adding to the fire. You right. Yeah. Well, so, in, in fact, um, in fact, I think a lot of white people feel, feel that way. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I think a lot of white people feel that way, uh, Dr. Hill, where whenever you bring up race, it sounds like you're being divisive or like it's blaming, blaming the white man. So what that means for an African-American like me is it's hard to ever cause 
they feel like you're blaming them or they feel like you're being divisive, which is a catch-22 if you happen to be somebody who's not white. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to that struggle. I think that's very real, and I lament that with you. You know, I, I, for, for me, a big, one of the ways I try to kind of help our folks kind of wrestle with that, I, I oftentimes come back to a quote from Zora Neale Hurston, right, the you know, brilliant writer. But she said that you can't actually have common friendship until you understand what the common enemy is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's where sometimes, especially those of us who are white, miss the point. What, what I think we hear, and I don't actually think it's what anybody's saying, but I think what we hear is that the common enemy is white people. Uh-huh. So it triggers all kinds of, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're just making things worse. We're just creating the, 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 a greater division. We're just, you know, stoking the fire more than needs to be there. And uh-huh. I actually think if that were the case, if white people were the enemy, it would be hard to move forward. Uh-huh. And that's where this distinction is so important of the systemic versus the personal, right? Okay. If, if we can differentiate saying it's not white people, it's a narrative of white supremacy. Uh-huh. Right? And there's an ent- there's a universe of difference between those, right? The, the narrative of white supremacy says every human being value is not ultimately derived from God. Every human every human being value is derived from where they fall in the racial hierarchy. Right? Mm. Well, any of us who are seeing straight should be able to condemn that and say that's evil. Like that is right. literal evil to say that somebody's value is directly tied to what nationality or race that they are, right? So if we can say that's the enemy, right. that narrative, historical narrative. We should all be able to stand on the same side and say, yo, we can't talk about this too much, right? Because well, yeah, as long as God's people are under siege because some of them right. are being seen as less valuable, that should be an easy common enemy for that's us. That's right. Hey, let's jump in on that on the other 2017 has been a crazy year in the mortgage industry. The Fed told everyone they were going to raise rates. Interest rates were expected to rise. And then the unexpected happened. Hey everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian of Fellowship Home Loans. And what we've seen so far is the perfect storm, something we rarely see in the mortgage industry. We've seen some of the lowest interest rates in history and some of the highest home values ever. Usually it's one or the other, but this combination has created a perfect scenario for anyone that's looking to do something with their mortgage. Whether you want to take cash out for home improvements, pay off debt, eliminate PMI, or consolidate loans, now is the time. Give us a call today at 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Come and get your loan, Fellowship Home Loans. Intercontinental Capital Group, DBA, Fellowship Home Loans, Equal Housing Opportunity Lender, NMLS number 60134. It's fall and you're probably thinking to yourself, I need to lose weight. You've been trying to lose weight for months, maybe even years. Yo-yo dieting, cutting calories, starving yourself, you don't feel good. Hi, I'm Steve Reynolds, pastor of Capital Baptist Church, and I can help you lose weight. I'm also the author of the book, Bod for God, and the creator of the Losing to Live Weight Loss Competition. I've lost over 100 pounds, and now I want to help you to lose weight through our Losing to Live Weight Loss Competition. Why should you participate? Because it works. Our previous competitions have resulted in literally tons of weight loss. These are stunning results. No wonder Fox News labeled me the anti-fat pastor. Don't try to lose weight alone. Join a team of losers. Quit procrastinating. Sign up today by calling 703-560-8677. That's 703-560-8677 or online at capitalbaptist.org. That's capitalbaptist.org. The next Losing to Live weight loss competition begins Sunday, September 24th. 
This is an urgent message for men who are making more bathroom trips each day or waking up at night to go. A prostate wonder pill is taking Walmart by storm, leading to a 179% increase in sales. Experts just can't believe how well this one little pill helps reduce bathroom urges. I'm talking about Super Beta Prostate, the best-selling prostate supplement in America. If you're concerned about your prostate health and making more bathroom trips, here's great news. Since drugstores keep running out of stock, we're letting men try their first bottle of Super Beta Prostate free. Just call us ASAP. That's a full, free 30-day supply. You only pay shipping and handling. Call 1-800-586-6272. Super Beta Prostate is a safe, non-prescription formula with naturally-based ingredients that reduce bathroom visits and support your prostate health. Claim your bottle while it's still free. Call 1-800-586-6272. That's 1-800-586-6272. 1-800-586-6272. FM, WAVA. And we're back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're on my Facebook Live page. Thank you so much. At Anderson Speaks, that's where we are right now. Also on WAVA, 105.1 FM. If you're just getting in the car, uh, thanks for joining us. It's Tough Topic Tuesday. We're talking about the tough uh, topic of racial inequality, and specifically, what does it mean to be white? I've got my special guest, uh, Daniel Hill. He is the author of a book that I'm holding up right now, White Awake, uh, an honest look at what it means to be white. He is a pastor of a church he started, uh, and he is a white man, but he pastors a multi-ethnic and vibrant church in the Humboldt Park area of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, he uh, has several degrees, and he is really trying to figure this out and helping us figure it out. We need more voices like yours, Daniel White, to speak to uh, not simply racial inequality, but what I have said is that uh, the new emerging minority, the fastest-growing new emerging minority, are white people. And they have never been the minority before in America. And so, therefore, they're going to go through some some fear and some challenges, and we need more people to help uh, what I call reverse whites become diverse whites. And it's not easy. It's not an overnight thing. And so we need more people like you, a diverse white, a person who's in diverse relationships with others besides himself, to help maybe reverse whites, people who want to go back to make it the way it was or when they were comfortable and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Do you feel like that bridge needs to be built from those that want to go back uh, to those that want to go forward in the white community? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would affirm, yeah, what you're saying, for sure. Mm-hmm. And do you find that many whites have a problem with the multiculturalism moving forward? Or are you finding that there are many whites you know that are actually saying, no, this is a good thing, I want to be a part of a, a mosaic, that uh, not just me, I'm a part of it, but others as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's some of the reason why I went so heavily on awake language in it, you know, and, and, and though I think it's really important that we're active as well, I didn't even focus as much on what do we do, because my my recurring experience is it's kind of a 
devastating one-two punch for most of us are white. For one, historically, most of us just have no idea how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really hard to understand this thing if you don't understand the meticulous and powerful way in which it was built, right? So there's, there's really an awakening that has to happen there. Mm-hmm. And then I think for those of us who are Christian, we've got kind of a liability, especially if we grew up in conservative Christian homes where uh, most of us have not grown up in faith environments that helps us understand what following Jesus has to do with this social construct of race we live within. And mm-hmm. so, uh, um, so, yeah, so I, I think there are those who there's some kind of a genuine longing and curiosity that's being formed. But there's a couple of arenas where, where there's really some significant jumps we have to make in terms of understanding how we got to where we are and how Jesus Christ, the Lord, works within a context like that. Mm-hmm. 888-432-7434. Let's go to Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Talk to Jan, who's on the line. Hi, Jan. Welcome to the show. Uh-oh, Jan, it looks like I missed you. Sorry, you can always call me again. And if you want to give me a call now, just go to 888-432-7434. So tell us, Daniel Hill, what is white trauma? Yeah, you know, it's a term that I'm borrowing from Mark Charles, who's a native theologian and practitioner. He's actually in your in your area over there. He's a D.C. guy. And, um, you, you know, Mark has, Mark has been lecturing on this stuff and kind of walking with folks for a long time. And what he consistently finds is that when he talks with white folks about um, just how significant and just how hard some of this historical stuff is, you know, some of the ways that genocide and colonialism went together and some of the, some of the vicious ways slavery went together and some of the ways that our immigration kind of policies were formed and just the lives lost and the, that, that it's so overwhelming for people to kind of interact with this history, especially if they've not heard that version of it, if they've only heard kind of the sanitized version, mm-hmm. that there's this, there's this response that wells up where it, it feels it, – it's like it's a different kind of traumatizing. Certainly it's not anything compared to the trauma that happens to those who are victims. But in our church staff, one of the things we're talking about, we, we just walked – it's a hard thing, but we're just walking with a young kid who's trying to come out of a gang lifestyle, and he was a shooter. You know, He was a shooter for a long time. He's taken lives. Right, and so there's no question that the lives he took and the families of those lives who've been lost—they're far more traumatized than anybody. I would never even compare these things, right? Mm-hmm. But this young man is traumatized himself, right? He was part of something horrible that happened, and there's going to have to be a whole lot of spiritual and psychological kind of redemption that happens, which mm-hmm. I think God can do, you know. And so, even though those of us who are white in this day and age are not the ones who execute those kinds of miscarriages of justice. When we come face to face with the honest truth, really just historical truth, it's not even subjective opinion. When we come face to face with the historical truth of how we got to where we are, th- there's a trauma that wells up. And, mm. and whenever somebody's traumatized, the tendency is to disassociate or go into some form of denial. And so mm. there, there's a courage that has to be found to kind of stick in it as we start to see how we got to where we are. So when white when white people learn of history and the uh, uh, the facts of what has happened disassociation is natural well those were that was then this is now and i'm not that way uh it sounds to me like the next step is to say but maybe there are some systems that are that way that i should look at to ensure that this doesn't happen again i want to talk to you more about that on the other side of the break we're going to run to a break now because we have to but as soon as we come back We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Daniel Hill uh, in his book, White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white. Silver Spring, Upper Marlboro, I'm coming to you in just three minutes. 
Dr. David Anderson. Sometimes people ask me, what kind of doctor are you? And I say, a doctor of philosophy. And they say, where did you get that? And I say, Oxford Graduate School. And they say, where is that? So Oxford Graduate School has a small English campus in the hills of Tennessee. It's wonderful. And you not only study there, but you study at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., as well as at the University of Oxford in England. What a wonderful program. I did it for three years. You go for a week and study, and then you have 60, 90, 120 days worth of reading, writing, and research to do. You do those cores about six or seven times, and you write a dissertation. I tell you what, I not only got my degree while I was a working adult as a pastor in the church, but it was a safe place, not only to learn, but a safe place to think. You want more information, check them out at ogs.edu. That's ogs.edu, or give them a call, 423-775-6596. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new Public Figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. It's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc. Does your home need any improvements? Ours did. In fact, Amber and I called Home Fix Custom Remodeling, HCR, and we got a new Master Elite roof. And guess what? Once that was installed, we started saving, listen, over $100 per month on energy bills. Not bad, right? Not to mention when we needed new windows and doors, guess who we called? HCR. That's right. And our energy bills are even less because of it. So if you need an efficient solution, ways to keep your home safe and your family safer, make sure you call HCR. Ask for Gus when you call. Tell him that I sent you. Here's his number. You ready? 888-991-2427. And by the way, they also specialize in a wide range of other products like energy efficient siding, doors, trim, and gutters. And let's not forget those walk-in tubs and showers for those aging gracefully among us. Let's put it like that. And all of this with a lifetime inclusive warranty. Call HCR 888-991-2427 and tell Gus Dr. Anderson sent you. Wide awake. It's an honest look at what it means to be white by Pastor Dan Hill. He's a pastor of River City Community Church, a vibrant multi-ethnic church in Chicago. He's also uh, the author of another book called 1010, Life to the Fullest. Got his degrees from Moody Bible Institute, uh, Harvard Divinity School, Northern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, and Purdue University. And today he's with us on air talking about what it means to be white. Let me ask you, Pastor Daniel, what is white culture? Is there a such thing? There's somebody came in my studio says, I don't believe that, cult- that whites have a culture. True or false? Uh, I think more true than false. <laughs> okay, why? Oh, or, so, wait, do, wait. Do, do white people have a culture? He doesn't believe they do. Yes. He says, I like, what is white food? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, so So while there's clearly going to be variances and diversions from one white family <laughs> to another and one white individual to another, right. I think it's an inescapable fact that because the so much of the social norms of our society were shaped by white European people, that's become kind of the quote-unquote norm mm-hmm. that uh, things are measured to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember having a very racially conscious pro- uh, professor in theology school, and he said, you know, and I, and in fact, I can remember this debate happening 20 years ago that white people don't have a culture, right? He said, he said, let me just show you one, like, everyday example of this. He said, here's some core selectives that you can take as young aspiring theologians. 
You can go study black studies. You can, you know, African-American theology, right? You can go Mm -hmm. study Latino theology. You can study Asian theology. But go and try to find where white theology is. Mm-hmm, Where's mm-hmm. white theology? There's not going to be white theology because that's the norm. That's, that's the basis. Right, right, right. Quote right. unquote theology is going to be the European theologians. Right. It's not. It's not taking anything away from those, but it's just that's the norm, right? Uh-huh, right. I've heard versions of that. Folks who were in secular institutions have said the same thing, right? There's right. like African studies and there's Asian studies and there's Latino studies, but there's not. You know, there tend to not be white studies because it's the norm. That's just one. We right. we could go down the list and do that a lot of times. Where sure. white is the norm. Right. Let's go to Silver Spring, Maryland, talk to Mary, who's on the line. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. I'm trying to talk fast because I, I wanted to make a few points. Yes, of course we have a culture. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just that um, in uh, so many countries have come over here and, you know, integrated into our society, assimilated into our society. Um, you know, the Italians, the Germans. The English, not so much the English, but uh, the Irish, mm-hmm. you know, and all of them have made their contribution. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you're white, but you know, um, uh, you know, are you part uh, American Indian and German, and you know right. what I mean, Spanish, right. and so the very few people um, nowadays uh, are just all one where you could say white. If you say white, what what do you mean? Right, right. Uh, from what country did you come over here? Right. But, uh, but getting back to saying uh, we should be colorblind, I, every time I hear that, I just cringe because, mm-hmm. well, of course we can't be colorblind. Mm-hmm. We want to identify uh, the person by their culture uh, and all their identity aspects of their identity, which mm-hmm. includes the color of their skin. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to attribute any uh, any value less than they are a creation that God made, beautiful in His eyes, and uh, and beautiful. Like we're very very close to the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, where He will rule and reign from mm-hmm. Jerusalem. It says He'll rebuke many nations. And he'll, uh, you know, with he'll reign with the rod yep. of iron. That sounds like the Jesus I know that that uh, is the righteous judge. But um, anyway, if if somebody doesn't come to the feast of tabernacles, they don't get rain. Yeah. Now you let know, me let me let me jump in there. I know we're getting into eschatology. Thank you so much, Mary. But you made a good point about color blindness. And uh, I like to tell people I'm not color blind. I'm color blessed. When you're dealing with uh, with color, though. Uh, Daniel Hill, the whole idea of colorblindness or cultural identity is a journey, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Yeah. T- tell us about this journey that that our stages of cultural identity. Uh, can, you, can, well, can you give me one more? Well, I mean, there, like what well, you know, in your book, you talk about the when somebody has this encounter and then they have this denial. Uh, and then this disorientation, and then this shame. It's like there's a, a journey they come on uh, to with their culture. I suppose it's when whites finally realize that they're part of the white group. Maybe there's a, a self-righteousness, then an awakening, then an active participation. But there seems to be some kind of progression that goes on when whites begin to understand their cultural journey. Is that right? Yeah. Right, yeah. So, in, in when I yeah when I explored some of this in the White Awake book, yeah, you know, some of the early stages I think have to get get to this idea of even reconciling this history we have and the system that we have, and it's real easy for us to get lost in there. 
I think probably the two big pitfalls that come kind of deeper in the journey when when a white when, when somebody's white is really trying to be on the right side is to move forward. Yeah, I, my experience suggests that shame and self righteousness are probably the two greatest threats to kind of making the full progress that we need to make. And so I can say more on either one of those if you want, but th- those would be the two that I would say tend to kind of be the biggest pitfalls from moving forward in a positive way. Let's talk for a minute about shame because I think a lot of white folk feel shame sometimes if not anger, shame. Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, you know, Dr. Brene Brown is often referred to in these days about, you know, she's written a lot of stuff differentiating between shame and guilt. And she would say, and I think this is an interesting way to say it, shame. Shame, guilt would say I've done something bad. Shame would say I am bad. Mm-hmm. And certainly, like, you take it away from race and just look at it from a spiritual standpoint, like, that's never what God is trying to do with human beings to say you are bad and therefore unworthy, right? Mm. Uh, we are to repent of our sins, of our wrongdoings, you know, and come to God with a sense of openness and confession. But we're not supposed to internalize the sense of I am a bad person mm-hmm. because of what's happened. And I think there's a corollary with the racial awakening. I think when we realize that there are very bad things that have happened, there's no question about that horrible thing things that I think spit at the face of God. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm. But there is this kind of distinction between saying, all right, so that's wrong, so I want to be on the right side of confessing for that and moving forward on it, right? as opposed to saying, like, well, I was born in a white skin, so I've got no chance now, and you kind of, like, crumple and shrink, right. you know, and go, well, you know, I'm never welcome at the table, I'm just a bad right. white person, right? You know, it's like, I don't think I don't think anything positive comes out of that mm. in an ironic way, and I say it's ironic because it's not usually what people mean to do when they're in shame, but when white people get in a shame spiral, it actually becomes all about them, again, right? Mm. It's their own right. feelings of hopelessness and despair and sadness and it becomes so overwhelming that it takes somebody off course and gotcha. I, I don't i don't think that's though it's a very understandable thing i don't think it's ultimately helpful at all gotcha let's go to laurel merrill and talk with tico who's on the line hi tico welcome to the show i've got just a couple minutes before my break go for it hey uh, i just want to make a quick comment dr anderson about uh just the, the segregation that's going on still in in the united states i mean just to, you know, even even differentiate between a white American or a black American mm-hmm. seems to still pose a problem where we're looking at each other's skin, kind of to touch on what Mary was saying. Uh, it seems like if, if we could get away from that, it would be a positive thing and just be American culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a distinction and there's a history there, but I think if we are moving forward, that that would be the way to go. Uh, I think there is a negative view on... Uh, white people just based on that history just mm-hmm. to even segregate people by saying white people in general mm-hmm. uh just feels kind of negative yeah what's uh, your cultural today? background you know, Tico? sure that's a good comment what's your cultural I'm background hispanic. hispanic do you uh, in, enjoy I'm, I'm hispanic yeah do you enjoy uh the hispanic culture i love it yeah, you do absolutely. okay yeah so it's not bad for you it's not bad for you to enjoy it or identify with it it's actually uh, a good thing right that's a beautiful thing right yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Tico. And my whole point is, you know, to, to say, well, let's not divide. Let's not say blacks or whites, Hispanics or whatever. What you're saying is almost uh, let's w- sort of whitewash everything and not share the differences. You're not being divisive, actually. When you share the differences, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to say, you know what? I want to know what that Hispanic culture is about. I want to know what that black culture is about. I want to know what that Asian culture is about. And to lift it up to say, how beautiful is God to create all of this through all of them? 
I'm coming right back to you. We're going to land the plane in just a minute with Dr. Daniel Hill. He's the author of the book, White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Freeman, and my first adventure in Israel was over 23 years ago, with many tours since. If you're looking for an Israel trip that most tour companies take, we're not the one for you. People join our tours to go deeper into biblical history and explore the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation as we ascend Mount Zion, discover Megiddo, investigate Qumran, and sail on the Sea of Galilee. Join other adventurers like yourself during the next Freeman Institute tour of Israel. Go to Israel israelcrazy.com that's israelcrazy.com for details about our march 2018 tour and then call me at 410-991-9718 that's 410-991-9718 ask me for the three reasons why the freeman institute israel tours are distinctive from the others and very safe israelcrazy.com that's israelcrazy.com 410-991-9718 Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. Do you know the top three promotional items for driving new customers? We do. Do you know how to make your logo come alive and magnetically attract new, long-lasting customers? We do. And do you know how to ensure your logo is delivered on the right promotional items on time at a great price? We do. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Who are we? We're for imprint the nation's leading team to make your logo shine on your choice of thousands of promotional items. And right now, we want to share with you for free the top three promotional items for driving new customers. Discover them now by texting TOP to 642642. Let us show you what a difference the right promotional items can make to help grow your brand. With 4imprint, you'll get high-quality products, exclusive items, popular brands, on-time delivery, and outstanding customer service. That's what we do. Discover the top three promotional items for driving new customers by texting TOP to 642642. That's T-O-P to 642642. For a limited time, J&P Heating and Air Conditioning is offering a special discounted rate for a complete system checkup for only $79.95. That's right, a complete system checkup for only $79.95. Don't wait until your system goes out. Be proactive and call J&P Heating and Air Conditioning now for your complete system checkup at one 800 Fix 1110. That's 1 800 Fix 1110. Or visit JNP.com. That's JNP.com. The Bible tells us not to exasperate our children. If you have teenagers, that may feel like it can be tricky. Sometimes we annoy them just by walking into their room. But what truly embitters our children, and how do we avoid it? Alistair Begg gives answers in the booklet Parenting God's Way. Request your free copy right now. Learn more at wava.com keyword parenting. That's wava.com keyword parenting. One hundred five point one FM WAVA. Well, when you think of safe, reliable, and affordable transportation service for your kids, who should you be thinking of? You should be thinking of the studentshuttle.com. If you need to get your children to school in the Prince George's County, Maryland area, make sure you check out the Student Shuttle. 
shuttle.com. Three words, thestudentshuttle.com, or give them a call for a quote, 301-806-0188, thestudentshuttle.com. All hour, we've been dealing with the topic of what it means to be white. I've got our special guest, author of the book, White Awake, an honest look at what it means to be white by Pastor Daniel Hill. He's a white man that pastors a multi-ethnic church. And uh, Daniel Hill, we've been talking uh, about the transformation of white folk when they do learn of the different systems uh, that have made them superior. And uh, in our final minute, uh, can you just tell us what your desire is? Talk to my white listeners uh, for them when it comes to racial reconciliation. I've got a wonderful group of, of folk who really want to get it right. Help them. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to be with you. You've been such an important mentor for me. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think action is important as well, but I think because I'm focusing on the awakening part, I'll focus on three things I think is important that we see. I think first, I would invite and hope that we would learn to see the, the most problematic heart of the social contract of race, right? There's, there's a lot of complicated things about race, but at its heart is this lie that says some people are better and some people are less, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think to be able to precisely see the lie and how powerful and dehumanizing that lie is, I think that's the beginning work. Mm. I think the second kind of realm is to be self-interrogating and to say, in what ways have I perhaps been shaped by that lie, even my own journey? It's very possible to, on one hand, outrightly reject racism, and on the other hand, still have been influenced by that lie in certain ways. And I, I think we do a disservice to ourselves when we fail to do kind of interrogation around mm. examining how has that lie shaped me. And then I think we've got to be able to look outward and say, how is it that the social systems of our day have been formed around this lie? Mm-hmm. How is it that school systems have been formed around this? How has the police system been formed around this? How has the judicial system been formed around this? And until we can see the way the lie is continuing to inform these social structures, it's very difficult to have any kind of meaningful dismantling happen mm. to be able to create a more just structure. How about that? Well, I tell you what, I'm grateful for uh, the good work that you're doing on the ground there in Chicago, as well as writing a book to help uh, all of us be ambassadors of reconciliation. If people want to know more about you or how to get your book, what should they do? Uh, well, and it's on a lot of places, but it's on Amazon, and so uh, it's just White Awake. It's easy to find. White Awake. It's on Amazon. Uh, com. If we also want an article on the topic of whites being the new emerging minority, an article I wrote for uh, CNN, uh, just go to my website, at uh, Anderson Speaks, on, uh, on my Facebook page, actually, and you can get that as well. If you want to hear this topic, again, all you got to do, my Facebook page, at Anderson Speaks, and you can uh, review this anytime you would like. Pastor Daniel, thank you so much for your time, my friend. I really appreciate it, Dr. Anderson. Mm, Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for today's show. We thank you for the ministry of Daniel Hill. Continue to bless him, his ministry, his book, and all that he is doing, along with the rest of my listeners. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Together, everyone said amen and amen.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.